Okay. Hey, hey, man, your your camera's off. There we go. How's that looking? Is that, is that about right? Is that uh, camera camera operating properly there? Yeah, yeah, lighting's good. Excellent. Look what you did there. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Weird. All right, here we go. This is another episode of the uh, Tasty Spreads podcast. I'm your host, Dino DeCespedes, and I'm joined by my host, Mr. Grant Engel. What is up, man? I'm living, buddy. I'm living well. Things are going pretty good over here. You know, just enjoying the footy on Saturday. Um, I will say, I hate, fucking hate, that the Heat had to do that to us on Monday. It was a come down. Um, but you know what? We're surviving. We're thriving, in fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we've got some numbers to back that up. Where do you want to get started? Hmm. Gee, where would I like to start? I think it might be appropriate for us to start uh, with the Champions League final if if uh, you're interested in that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That was a big one. <laughs> so if anybody if anybody missed it, the fighting Manchester City Sky Blues won the fucking Champions League and completed the treble. Yes, they did. Let me say, congratulations to Inter Milan. It was a great game plan. Uh, they played within themselves, but they didn't play like cowards. It wasn't a complete parking of the bus. Um, I thought Rory Smith of the New York Times had a really good line where he said they trained and they played like underdogs. And he didn't mean it as a pejorative. Mm. And I think people like you and I, perhaps people who listen to this podcast, who know ball, know exactly what he meant by that. They knew that they couldn't go out there and try to play some super aggressive offensive style. They had to really be careful about picking their spots while simultaneously not playing scared which is just an insane balance that you have to kind of strike when you're in that spot. And I thought they, they did it quite well. Um, but okay, I mean, enough about them. I mean, we, we should probably just go ahead and talk about, <laughs> talk about the champions. Um, it had to be difficult, man. I know, like, look, it's hard to sit here and paint Manchester City as some kind of, like, underdog. Uh, they have the best manager. They have probably the best squad. I think it's pretty, I don't think it's much of an argument that they have the best squad. Um, no, but this has been building for years. Uh, the champions league, formerly the European cup has been a tournament since 1955 and only 23 different teams have won the fucking thing. Wow. It's hard to win. Now, obviously that only 23 different teams winning it, Slightly skewed by Real Madrid winning 14 of them. Um, so tough to win when they keep hogging all the victories. Um, <laughs> but it's the best teams, obviously. The schedule is brutal. Everybody has to think about winning their own league. Um, there's just a million things going against you. In 2016, um, which is one that kind of sticks out to me, we lost to Real Madrid in the semis. I think the first leg was 0-0, and the second leg was 1-0, Real Madrid, at the Bernabeu. And it was just brutal. And like earlier in that year, that game, obviously, semifinal took place in May. And earlier in that year, it was announced that Manuel Pellegrini, shout out to the God, love you, Manuel, this charming man, give me all the Smiths references, love you, Manuel. Um, it was announced like earlier that year, like January or February. His contract was up, and 
this guy Pep Guardiola was going to step in. And from there, it was like, okay, this is the time. Like, Sheikh Mansur bought the team in 2008. It was building to that. We, you know, we had won the league a few times. We're just kicking around in like the round of 16, the quarters, the semis. I think we had made one, one or two semis in that time of the Champions League, but we just like couldn't do it. And again, not to paint City like an underdog, but it was it was very Sisyphus. We're pushing the rock, pushing the rock, and it just keeps falling down. In comes Pep. This has got to be the guy. And the Champions League was the white whale. 2021, the loss in the final to Chelsea, just fucking agonizing. Um, De Bruyne suffers uh, a blow to the head, I think like an hour into the game, has to go off, is completely beside himself. Me and many other Manchester fans completely beside ourselves when when De Bruyne has to go off. Um, And we lose, and we should have fucking beat Chelsea. And then last year in the semifinal against Madrid, just another brutal set of circumstances to lose in the semifinal. Um, and then we get here, and it's like it had to be done, and it looked like it was going to be a walk. Um, we can talk about my bets where I probably outsmarted myself, or maybe it was just too dumb to realize that it would had to be a close game. Uh, but it looked like it was going to be more of a dominating coronation, and it didn't happen. Um because it had to be that way. It had to be difficult. Um, what did you think about the difficulty of the game? It was the game that I was kind of expecting from Inter, right? So, you know, we talked about the under, you know, we kicked around the idea of the draw. I didn't think that they'd be able to score, but I also thought that, you know, hey, it's it's the final. Um, and it's not like one of those finals where it's City's fourth in seven years, right? And like, you know, they're coming out with, no pressure. It's like, okay, we're going to win this and, you know, we're just going to play. Right. Um, I I think there was a little bit of pressure, you know, like just kind of like how you talked about, you kind of went through a lot of the history just to put things in context. And I'm sure those guys know it just as well, if not better, um, what that game meant. Right. So I was expecting like a really close, you know, nip and tuck type game, which is kind of what we saw. Um, so I wasn't too surprised, you know, City just squeezed the life out of the game by the end of it. And even though it was one goal, it kind of felt like they were just in total control of the game, total class performance. And what a way to kind of close out the whole the whole run for the trouble. Can I give you the, uh, uh, to, to borrow the whole, I know Bill Simmons took it from some movie that he probably, him and a bunch of older guys super care about, whatever, the sliding doors moment of, in like the fifth minute where Bernardo has that dribble down the right-hand side and he takes the shot and it's not far off and it wasn't too speculative of a shot. Like that thing could have gone in. I feel like that is a moment. If he makes that shot, I wonder if they win it in a walk. If they score in the first six minutes, I wonder like, cause you know how a game can tilt that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that's the Gundogan goal from the FA Cup, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and and actually we talked about it last week. What happens if you know Holland like skies went over the goal, and you know they got another opportunity and they miss it, and you know now things start to get tight and it's still nil nil. Game didn't quite play out like that because I think City was you know pretty much, um, like I said, in in control of most of it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, th- I think the XG 
is a little misleading in this case. I think this might be a do you even watch the games, bro, if, if we went strictly off the XG. Um, that's what we would say to the nerds in this case. City had less than one expected goal. I think they were like 0.98. Wow. Inter was at least like 1.7, I think. I think they might have been in the 1.8 range. I can, I can fact check myself. But Wow. And I think that's mostly because of two Lukaku chances and the DeMarco chance. And I will say, I think Lukaku was a little unfairly maligned on the one late in the game where the other striker hits it off his head and it Lukaku essentially blocks it. And people are like, oh, Romelu, get the fuck out of the way. But D- Ruben Diaz is standing right behind him. Like he is, yeah. he is absolutely cleaning that up and not letting that ball go in. So I felt like it was a little unfair to Lukaku in that circumstance. But yeah, I think you know there were other moments in there too where Foden Foden got through for one, and I thought our diamond was going to seal it. <laughs> like he he had a good shot, but he just kind of ripped a low shot. It looked like a simple save for Onana, um, but I think Onana makes a lot of saves look look pretty simple. I mean that dude is fucking good. He was great. Yeah, obviously. We got to talk about the Rodri wonder strike. But leading up to that, the Champions League Twitter account tweeted a great um, like kind of run of game film just showing Foden's movement and how he's like his gravity is dragging defenders with him in a couple different key spots. Mm-hmm. And in the build up to the Rodri goal, he gets the ball like outside of the 18 and he drives it in almost to the to the goal line uh, to the left or to the right of the goal yeah and he comes back out and he swings it around and that's what it what enables like everybody kind of has to drift that way and that enables a kanji to play the through ball to bernardo who then tries to hit the cross the cross bounces off and then it falls to rodri and thinking about that 2021 devastating loss to chelsea when rodri is left out of the starting lineup against Chelsea and everybody was like, Pep, why are you doing that, buddy? <laughs> like, Rodri's good. You should play him against Chelsea in the Champions League final. And it felt like just a damning uh, circumstance for Pep where it's like, this dude's just sitting here outsmarting himself. For Rodri to make that fucking hit in that moment, in the 68th minute of the Champions League final, um, to, to quote the men in Blazers, I mean, I, I know they often talk about the Premier League writers, but Champions League script writers, mwah, nicely, Nicely done with that one. Beautiful. How worried were you during the game? It sounds like you were you were stressed. I got concerned. Well, I mean, it, so after Bernardo's chance in the fifth, I was like, ooh, that that minus two and a half, we might be good. <laughs> like, if it's going to look like that, like, I think I should be all set. Because I swear, I mean, Bernardo can absolutely score that. And I was like, okay, we're, we're going to run through these dudes, and then they're going to have to try to attack us back, and it's curtains for them after that. Um, I think I've seen enough finals, Champions League finals and final match days and World Cup finals, Euros and stuff to just know that the game where you're just Brazilian style, everybody's just kind of like strikes from everywhere and just getting getting really creative with it. That's not how the finals are played, you know, and I think it's just a matter of like, it might just be that extra one or two percent of pressure or just brain power that's getting used up just thinking oh wow this is the final holy shit like here we are we're in istanbul like this is it like you know like and even if it's just fleeting it it takes away from the ability to kind of like reach that 
that level of like what a 4-3 game would look like. I did just kind of expect what has definitely been the trend over the last few years, which is just like a pile of dust to borrow an NFL analogy, you know, like, um, which is very much what it feels like. And then, you know, Rodri peeks his head out and the wonder strike and makes history. I think the stat is something like four of the last five or maybe just the last four total uh, Champions League finals have finished 1-0. Your point absolutely stands up to logic. But what fun is it being a Manchester City fan if I don't walk into every game thinking we're going to win fucking four to nothing? <laughs> <laughs> and like looking at Inter Milan, I was just like, these guys aren't in our class. But you're right. And and shout to them and um, Simeone Inzaghi. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever get out of his old, older brother, Filippo Inzaghi's shadow, who's a great, great player for AC Milan when we were younger. Um, but he's comporting himself quite well. I will say, man, uh, Filippo Inzaghi, I believe his nickname was Super Pipo, which I love. Um, love that. Wonderful player for AC Milan. You could just, if you just YouTube Filippo Inzaghi goals, just fucking super duper clever with the way he would score. With, I mean, obviously incredible touch, but you know, absolutely wonderful player. And Inter Milan's manager is his younger brother. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put that on my homework list. They weren't the only winners. Did some uh, tabulating. <laughs> yes. And your guys finished up $3.85 betting on this year's Champions League. Cue the Chris Bosch, the Chris Bosch champagne. <laughs> <laughs> like my dad always told me it's better to win money than lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are. We did it. Um, so props to us. Our inaugural voyage as a show was a fruitful one. There you go. That's what three dollars eighty five cents. I mean, that's a you know, that's a two pack of Swishers. There's, it might be two two packs. Yeah, yeah. It depends on where you're shopping. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it depends on the zip. <laughs> okay, so that closes the book on the season. I, I looked at a couple of Premier League futures that I want to run by you. I want to bring them up early in the show, just so we can kind of chop them up. I looked at the teams to get relegated. Before I even saw the numbers, this team was all over my radar. Every time I watched them this year. They had the funk on them, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of like, how long are we going to keep doing this? You know, <laughs> and that team, Wolverhampton, the Wolves, plus 500 to get relegated. They reminded me a lot of Southampton this year, like just kind of middle of the pack, you know, up and down, really nice peak, but never really kind of could break through. I don't know. Wolves has that feel to them. And I just like that plus 500 number. I don't know if you've looked at any of those, but. I don't know. Give me a temperature check on on what you think about that first one. I think it's a good one because, you know, you're obviously always going to look at, so what, Luton Town, what, they're like minus 150 to go down. Their stadium is roughly the size of a roller skating rink. Um, (laughs) They don't, (laughs) like, I don't know how they're going to get players. I don't know how they're going to, uh, um, you know, attract young talent. It's going to be pretty tough. So you got Luton Town minus 150 to get relegated. Uh, seems, seems pretty easy, and that's why the value's not there. But also because they're minus 150, and if you place a bet on it, is the reward worth the, worth the risk if a bunch of weird shit happens? Um, and who really, I, I would love to see, I know you're better with the historical stuff, but I, I don't think we, we did this kind of research, but... I, what was Leicester's odds? What were Leicester's odds to go down to be relegated this year? Like, mm. there you're gonna have a team in the mix in the relegation battle who like people don't expect, and 
with Wolves sitting there at plus 550, it doesn't seem like people super expect them to go down. And I think it makes this a a pretty tasty looking spread, if you ask me. Yeah, you know, Leicester's a great call out because that was another team that went totally stale. You know, they really just kind of died on the vine. They're like, all right, we're going to keep doing the same thing and until we like really wither away. Um, and they withered their way out of the league. Luton Town, I mean, I'm no carbon San Diego, but that's not that's not a beach town. I don't believe it is. From the photographs, doesn't look like it. <laughs> um, nice uh, roller skating rink, though. The next one I looked at, Arsenal minus 165 to make the top four. Thoughts on that? How does that not happen? Well, no, I love it. I mean, I think if you look at Chelsea's odds, not just to make the top four, but just like to make the top half, it, it looks like Vegas is like, okay, so Chelsea bounces back. Like, you know, the world returns to its regular axis where the biggest club in London is good again. Um, you know, you might expect Tottenham to come back with, with their new manager. Uh, you know, good luck with that. Anybody who wants to bet Tottenham uh, in, the, in the top four, God bless you. Um, I wish you luck on your quest. I do think Arsenal making the top four uh, at minus 165 makes a lot of sense and i'm not being i'm not being a jerk here you've you've cursed at me on this very podcast before for things that i've said about your boys so can i just ask arsenal to win the league i saw was plus 850 that's pretty tasty new season i'm getting sucked in by all of the rumors you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know whatever mbappe yeah throw him in there (laughs) it's just like (laughs) You know, let's get messy. Let's get. Let's just forget everybody. You know, Neymar um, plus eight fifty to win the league. They looked like winning it for two months. Again, barring that injury, you know, I mean, with how closely they finished, they don't have Saliba for the City match, right? And it really was a domino effect from him, and just cascaded through the rest of, you know, the team in terms of like, kind of like the injury bug and where our weaknesses were and where teams figured out that they were able to attack us. So, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we win the league without that injury, but it definitely made it very difficult. That was something that, you know, we spotted pretty early on. Yeah. Plus 850 feels, I'm going to take that. I mean, you know what, <laughs> dude, the plus 850, like they were awesome for huge stretches. They were awesome without Gabby Jesus for a stretch. Like they are great. They got the Champions League money now. I mean, obviously, Lionel Messi, I know you're joking saying, like, who they get. I, I mean, we that's maybe a, a subject for another pod. Maybe we need to look at inter-Miami spreads. But that's just a hilarious move for him, in my opinion. Um, not, never to besmirch your hometown. Call it a hunch. I think they'll be able to attract some, some, some players. Plus 850 just feels so low to me. The reason I love Arsenal plus 850 to win the league, they kind of remind me of an NBA team that makes a big midseason trade and then makes a deep run, but ultimately can't gel in time and can't get it sorted out. But you know that like they're onto something. Mm. Um, it kind of feels like with some of those additions, Trossard, Jorginho, like guys that came in, you know, midseason, you know, even like bringing a guy like Reese Nelson back into the mix, giving them another year to kind of like gel and like figure out, okay, we've got to take yet another leap. And I would have expected the odds to look maybe more in like the plus 550 range. 
plus 550 plus 600. So plus 850 feels like an absolute bargain. I'm going to jot that one down for that's my first 2023 yes. uh, Premier League action. Put me on the board. Arsenal plus 850 to win the league. Yeah, I'm in. I'm going to just going to leapfrog my Arsenal minus 165 to make the top four. Um, I might circle back to that one, but just in the spirit of just kind of keeping the champion vibes, I'm going to take the big boy bet. I love it. Give me, um, put me, put me down for a half unit. Hey. I mean, why not? <laughs> um, Wonderful. I'm going to quote Rory Smith in the New York Times one more time. You know, I'm a big fan of his work, obviously, but like he he was talking about, uh, you know, what more is there for Pep to do? He has two years left on his deal. And like they kind of posited the question to him. And he was like, well, you know, nobody's ever won the treble twice in a row. (laughs) It was just like, okay, okay. Look, I mean, (laughs) you might, you maybe you can tell I'm in, I'm all in, but the treble (laughs) twice in a row. Maybe chill. <laughs> like we've won four out of five uh, Premier Leagues. Um, you know, you you can't win forever. Obviously, Mares looks like he's out the door. Bernardo might be out the door. We're like begging Ilke Gundogan to to hang around. Somebody else is going to win the league. And if I have to put a chip on somebody. Um, I think I'm putting the chip on, especially with Jude Bellingham going to Real Madrid. I think I'm going to put the chip on Arsenal if somebody else is going to win the league. All right. That's good Juju to start it off. Um, Do you see anything else Premier League-wise? I've spoke about Brighton a few times on this podcast. Um, I've been there uh, for like two days. So obviously I'm an expert on on the city of Brighton. Um, I think, what what did I call it? I call it like Coney Island, but 50% better or something like that. (laughs) 50% nicer. (laughs) 50% nicer than than Coney Island. Um, Great vegan food. I will always say that every time I reference Brighton. I I mean, I love what they've done. It's weird. Obviously, we're talking about signings. The thing I love about uh, like football in general is that they're just like, there's no moratorium. There's no tampering. Um, And well, Maybe maybe let me backtrack. Maybe there is, but at least what I like about the at the end of the season where it's like, yeah, this dude, when the transfer window opens, he's signing with this team. Everybody knows it. Let's all behave like adults here. This is happening. Um, and let me just say, I mean, Brighton, Brighton to finish top six is plus 160. Mm. Um, they recently came to an agreement with, Manchester City legend James Milner. Um, I think he also played for Liverpool too, but who cares? Um, <laughs> this dude, and no, I mean all joking aside, like this dude has the has had the rep for years of being the best conditioned athlete on Liverpool. Mind you, a team that employs Mohamed Salah. He turned thirty seven on January fourth. Oh shit! This dude is a machine. The, like I, I love the term I heard an announcer once say, his legs are way younger than the rest of his body, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like this dude is a culture setter. Uh, he won two Premier League titles with City. He obviously was a part of the Liverpool title a couple years ago. He's won two FA Cups. He won the Champions League with, uh, with Liverpool. Um, and then I think he's had a couple other... Um, runner-up finishes in the Champions League. The dude has seen everything. I just love, love, love 
what brightness, like just the idea of that, like, oh, okay, this dude, his contract is up. It's a free transfer. We'll bring him in. He'll like teach the young guys. He's a good vibes guy. Yeah. Like it's, I'll tell you, it feels a little Miami heatish. I love that pickup and I love that comparison. Um, Just because like you said, you know, he's a winner and um, they clearly care about culture and they're trying to do something a certain way. And it, it does kind of like balance out, you know, their, their super young feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's all sort of like pro- prospects, you know, um, which is For very sure. cool to kind of like discover, you know, so much great young talent that they bring along, but um, really smart pickup, like you said. Those odds, though, those are pretty Pretty big, pretty big expectations for our guys. They I mean, are. Did that, does that number scare you a little bit? It does. Like I'm, I think I'm, I'm monitoring for the rest of the transfer window. Um, and I think it's also worth pointing out that if you're, if you're Liverpool, we're like, love you, James. Thank you for your service. Have fun in Brighton. Enjoy the vegan food or whatever you're into. Um, oh yes, uh, Alexis McAllister. Come on down, buddy. We'll take you. You're what? You're 24. You're entering your prime. Um, and, you know, Brighton may, might not want to spend all that money on you. Come on in. So I think if you're Liverpool, you take that trade. You're happy with that. Totally. Um, you have, now have an excellent young, um, as I said, entering his prime player. Um, so that will be a big loss for them in the midfield. Um, and obviously Milner's not going to be even as in great a shape as he is. He's not going to be able to play fill the role that McAllister filled. So yes, at, at plus 160, I like that it's a plus number, but it absolutely bears monitoring um, because, you know, th- that's a gigantic hole they got to fill. Do you have anything else Premier League-wise? Oh, let me think here. Our boys, the Bees, uh, to finish in the top half of the league. Uh, the Bees. Plus 210. Let's, let's think back. Let's go all the way back. By the way, when in in the post match interview after um, the triumphant uh, Champions League victory by the Sky Blues, Pep made a point to to mention how just fucking absurd these guys' schedule is. What a fucking joke it is! And you know, uh, oh, they play a game for a living. Yeah, they make millions of dollars. Sure, but this schedule that UEFA and FIFA and the Premier League have these guys on is kind of gross like we're we're treating these dudes kind of like you know horses essentially running these races yeah and i know sometimes when i talk about players i say they don't have the horses which i need to chill on because i don't like that comparison (laughs) um but it's not as it's not as bad as as the uh what's the the one that kills me is bell cow in the nfl (laughs) like that needs to be banned like immediately like to call a a grown-ass man like the best you know the best in his field a bell cow is like so fucking disrespectful like let's just go ahead and ban that right now i'm with it yes uh bang the gavel tasty spreads podcast we're not calling it and hey man you know i love a good sports cliche we're gonna be talking running back sometimes i i'm gonna make it (laughs) i'm gonna try my absolute hardest to not refer to somebody as a bell cow but i'm with you that's a gross one and i think i don't love (laughs) I, I get why people do it, but I don't love referring to human beings as assets either. That is like yeah. when they talk about their contracts. That's always, There's always something a little bit where I'm just like, eh, maybe not. 
but sorry so sorry for the aside there but the reason i bring that up is like i was gonna make the yeah, these are important topics <laughs> i was gonna make the joke let's think all the way back a long three weeks ago uh brentford are bees to finish in the top half of the league so top 10 is plus 210 so they finished ninth mm. seven points clear of fulham who finished uh 10th with 52 points. Brentford was on 59 points. Only three points behind our, our mighty goals of, of Brighton, who were sitting on 62. But that tricky thing is that you got Chelsea in 12th. And so do you think that they're going to be able to jump in there? And you had Crystal Palace, who looked pretty, pretty okay kind of at the end. i personally not a huge believer in Palace, but you had Fulham. Um, obviously, who I previously mentioned, seven points behind Brentford. You know, does somebody catch up? Does does West Ham bounce back? Your European Conference League champions, led by <laughs> the mighty David Moyes, um, do they bounce back and 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 have a good year? So I can see why maybe Brentford they might consider them on the bubble to finish in the top half. And there's no the the uh, the MVP of the Tasty Spreads podcast, Ivan Tony. Um, still in the middle of his eight-month uh, ban. He's still he's still going to be out for much of the season. Uh, so, you know, the, maybe they're looking at them in, in the top half as tenuous. I just think they have other good players and, and they play a smart brand of football. So that's another one. I think I'm going to monitor the transfer market to see what they can try to do to replace Tony or at least replace most of his production. But I think that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, Ivan Tony, um, I mean, they're obviously going to miss him, but I'll tell you what, he loves that plus 210. So <laughs> I'm sure he's already <laughs> dialed it in. <laughs> he's like, listen, we're appealing. I'll be back, baby. Let's go. Like, uh, <laughs> roll the dice. Sauce, I'm ready. <laughs> he's got to do a dice roll when he scores. When, when he's his first goal, he has to roll the dice when he fucking does it. <laughs> Please. That'd be so gangster. I would love that. Because, I mean, what is West Ham wears? It's either West Ham or Wolves. What, they wear bet 365 on their on their, on the front of their fucking yeah. kit? Like, I don't know. I You know. Somebody's got a data bet, too. There's, there, there's a few out there. For sure. So, speaking of bets, I wanted to do a little housekeeping, a little segment I like to call Tasty Sats. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Our Champions League um, final tally up $3.85. But remember our short-lived segment, Find the Sweep? Well, it turns out the sweep was the FA Cup versus the young, scrappy, very happy to be here, Tasty Spreads podcast, because we got our ass kicked. <laughs> we went a combined 0-6 betting on this year's FA Cup, including a certain bet that I, I still would like to dispute. I'm not sure I ever actually co-signed uh, our little Jackie Grealish to score and, and City to win uh, in their FA Cup affair. Um, so I'm going to go back and check the tapes, but for now it stays on the dock. I want to say, let me throw on there. I'm very open to this being administrative error and that you may not have co-signed it. I think, um, there were times after pods where it's like midnight or 1am and I'm like copying and pasting and trying to fill out the, the spreadsheet. <laughs> so it is to use our betting parlance. It is very live that I accidentally pasted that bet on your side of the ledger. So if you didn't make that bet, get that shit out of there and get, collect more of your winnings. Yeah, I, I will. I'm going to go back and double check it. Anyway, 
we didn't do all that great betting on the Premier League this season either. Mm. But uh, we, when we had the chance to redeem things, salvage our season with the FA Cup, like I said, we totally bottled it. But when you look at our numbers for the entire season, we're up. So how could that be if we lost so much money betting on soccer? Well, it turns out we smashed the NBA this season. Um, so the season's over. Your guys finished up $2,021. Grant, your pick's 57%, 57% of the pot. I was 43% of the pot, so I think both of us represented pretty well. Um, those numbers fueled by some huge hits. Miami in seven at plus 1,100. We both had Denver to win the title. Uh, a bunch of alternate spreads, sprinkle, sprinkle throughout. And um, yeah, man, we crushed it. So series bets, th- that was our best performer. We were plus 738. Alternate spreads, plus 540. I'll take a little victory lap on that one. Amazing. Player props, we had two big wins there. I had Dane to win the three-point contest all the way back at the All-Star Weekend. You had Jokic to win Western Conference Finals MVP. Cashed both of those. Futures we were up, over-unders we were up versus the spread we were up. And money line picks we were up. The only place we were down... Parlays. Who could have thought? So we lost 238 bucks. Our only loser, exhibit number infinity to avoid parlays like the fucking plague. <laughs> Confirmed for anybody who gambles who may have thought otherwise. <laughs> NBA parlays, not a great idea. <laughs> who, I mean, hey, you see, sometimes you got to learn the hard way, I guess. We are gambling mythbusters. There's a myth out, <laughs> out there that says parlays are good. That myth has been busted. Danny Ings to score, that's a great bet? No, (laughs) myth. (laughs) NBA parlays, myth. Everybody at Arsenal to score. (laughs) Big myth. Oh, my God. We had some doozies. Oh, boy. Um, Anyhow. um, So, yeah, man. Anything to say after our victorious NBA first season, first go-around? Um, it's kind of like being an expansion team and winning a championship in your first year. That's that's kind of like what I'm going to go ahead and equate it to. I'll tell you. I mean, I thought I was just getting warm because I'm a complete idiot wearing a fucking Manchester City hoodie and a scarf uh, in the month of June. But it turns out our just NBA bets were just so hot. That's why I'm, yeah, I'm feeling a little warm. Um, you're the king of the alternate spreads. I mean, let's get that out of the way. You're... Your run Thank you. in the first round of the playoffs um, where you're just like, fuck the Timberwolves, Nuggets minus 14 and a half. Like, and you were just like, <laughs> it, was, it was the Galifianakis meme. I know I've used this before where just the numbers are going. And I was just like, okay, sure, buddy, I'll do that too. <laughs> and we're just fucking smashing them. And I mean, obviously the numbers bear it out. The series bets, we just mauled the first two rounds if uh, if memory serves well we identified the teams that were cannon fodder pretty early like right. the wolves the nets the hawks like we knew that these teams kind of didn't stand a chance we bet on a few sweeps um you know you weren't afraid to bet against the Cavs in one of them yeah um i cashed in i didn't bet heat bucks game one but i took heat next game one and i took Heat Celtics game one and game two on the money line. Look so we had like, we just kind of like were, were stomping. And I think we were so hot that um, our futures that we took to win the title, um, we knew that we'd finish in the black. Yep. And I don't know. I think, um, I think we learned that we're, 
we're really good at this, except for the parlay part. <laughs> you clocking forty three percent and hitting those long, long shots. Miami and seven against Boston plus eleven hundred. Get the fuck out of here. That's incredible. I, I will Ooh, be on. buddy. Let me stop you right there. If you're in the market for a long shot or two, I've got some. I've got something coming. I want to hear them. I've got something coming. I just want to say, I feel like in the dynamics of the podcast, it does make me a little sad that I am allegedly like 10% more of the soccer guy, and I was just fucking brutal this Premier League season. But that's okay. (laughs) I'm coming back next year. You and Danny Ings. No more Danny Ings. Get the fuck out of here, Danny Ings. I'm never betting on you to score again. You can score 30 goals next season. I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> well, we learned, you know, and I think that that's, that's kind of like the most important thing. Um, and like I said, it's not about the money. It's also about the friendships we made along the way. <laughs> exactly. Um, I did want to call out a couple things. Um, well, before we officially switch gears to the NBA, anything soccer related we didn't cover? I think we covered it all. Me and my, like, I'm, I'm mulling the Brighton seagulls the mighty goals i have a i have a thing you know i live in seattle i root for the sea chickens out here i might as well root for the seagulls uh over in brighton um i'm mulling on that i will say on brand i do and we can just live produce the podcast on the show i think last i checked uh England to win the world cup this summer i think they're like plus they have the second best odds I want to say they're like in the high plus 200s. Look, I love the U.S. women's national team. One of my favorite teams to watch on television. Um, but I think I mentioned in a, in a previous podcast, as long as we're doing this and it's available to me, probably expect a lot of England to win the World Cup bets coming from your boy. <laughs> and um, you know what? We might be talking about that later. And if we want to talk NWSL, um, let me just say real quick, the National Women's Soccer League in um, in America, uh, FanDuel has the odds. Uh, DraftKings, I have not found them. So unless I'm a complete dope, uh, and I feel like I'm pretty good at interneting, DraftKings, get your fucking game up. This is a real league with the elite players in the world. Fucking put their games on here. Get get the handicappers to watch the players, watch the games. It's a great brand of football. Support this wonderful league and these awesome players get the fucking odds up there and and shout out to FanDuel for actually doing the work and doing that. Amen. I'm ready to dive into the NWSL just FYI. I'm in, I bro. think um, it feels a little bit to me like um, UFC early days mm. of UFC or early days of like Venus Serena where it's totally fertile ground. The, the, the knock on soccer has always been, okay, well, the men aren't competitive globally. Um, but we've seen in tennis, you know, when we can produce a champion, we've seen in cycling, when we, when we could produce a champion, people care, you know, and I think um, if they can just kind of like get the NWSL organized, get the um, TV coverage in order, get the sponsors in order, I think that has huge potential to boom. Um, and I'd love to kind of like just get into it, you know, find my squad. You know, that could be a whole thing that we kind of like do talking about producing the podcast live. You have the squad? No, I mean, OL Rain, baby. They play in CenturyLink or uh, whatever corporate ghouls have taken over the sponsorship of the stadium that's roughly <laughs> 10, 
10 minutes from where I live in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, uh, O.L. Reign, uh, obviously Megan Rapino, their most famous player. Quinn, they're a defensive midfielder. Um, they're an amazing player. Um, kind of have like a, a little bit of like a Claude McAlealy, Andrea Pirlo type build from the back type of uh, game. Rose Lavelle, who I think in stretches of the last of the 2019 Women's World Cup, oh, there were like 60 minute stretches of games where Rose Lavelle was absolutely the best fucking player on the field against elite competition for multiple games. Oh yeah. Um, so that's my, that's my squad for sure. Me and me and Jennifer, uh, we make sure we hit up a couple games a year. And I think actually, in the spirit of journalism and corrections, I think when I was talking about watching one of their games a year or two ago, we watched them play. The Orlando Pride, who I misnamed as the Orlando City, which is the MLS squad. So, uh, you know, because I care about journalism and accuracy, the NWSL team in Orlando is the Orlando Pride. And they had the absolute fucking legend, Marta, on the squad, who I was like starstruck that I was like 10 feet away from. I was like, yo, Marta's here. <laughs> like, uh, um, and Jennifer just looked at me and was like, Jesus, I've never seen you act like that around somebody. But Marta's a motherfucking legend. Legend. Yeah, she's a giant. Hell yeah. Um, so that puts a pin in, I guess, the soccer season. Mm-hmm. We also closed the book on the basketball season. And I've got a couple takes. I, I really kind of was thinking about the Heat-Riley run, right? Um, you zoom out, the Heat have been a franchise for 35 years. So first seven years, no Riley. They go 205 and 369. 35.7 win percentage. They have one winning season where they go 42 and 40. Two playoff appearances and they win two playoff games in their first seven years. Can I put you on the spot? Who good? Who who are we? Is John Crotty on some of those teams? Who are we talking about? We're talking Ronnie yes. Cycli, Glenn Rice, Steve Smith, Bimbo Coles. Yeah. Uh, let me see how Kevin Edwards. Oh my I can go God. real deep. Alan Og. Oh my God. Are you familiar with Alan Og? No, of course. Why would RP I be the goat? <laughs> Uh, John Crotty was on those. I think John Crotty was more of a '90s guy. I think he was. I think he was on those early '90s teams, uh, or I'm sorry, late late '90s teams. Yeah, he might came later. Um, yeah. But anyway, they bring in Riley in '95, so we've now had 28 years of Riley, where he's won three championships. They've appeared in seven finals in 28 years. That's one finals every four Same. years. Another four seasons where they make the conference finals. So 11 out of 28 years, they're making it to at least the conference finals. 22 playoff appearances in 28 years. Uh, And then when you think about the franchises with the most titles since MJ, Lakers with six, Spurs with five, Warriors with four, Heat with three. And then no other team has two. Wow. Everybody else has one. So it's really just those four teams that have basically hogged all the championships since MJ. Lakers, Spurs, Warriors, and Heat. And for the Heat to be in that mix, um, you just got to give it to that guy like Riley at the top, you know, just for basically committing to continuity. I mean, you talk about culture, like basically like how far that spread all the way throughout that organization to the point where it's a thing, you know, like not only in the NBA world, do people know what it means. And, you know, it's, you know, tongue in cheek and people joke about it. That's fine. But think about the brand recognition of heat culture being a thing like, you know, where there's no, you know, 
thunder culture or like it's just like there i'm sure there is but we don't know about any of that shit because it's it's ridiculous why would we you know so for it to kind of permeate that far out super duper impressive so i just want to give my guys a shout out um and celebrate a great win of a, of a season for my guys so this is where if you remember the Giannis uh post game after your boys fucking eliminated him mm-hmm. gets annoyed with the journalist and he goes uh you know, it's not a failure. Like Michael Jordan, he played 15 seasons. He won the title six times. Are the other nine seasons a failure? No, I I don't think the other nine seasons were a failure, but maybe some of them were because maybe you should have gone further or maybe you you could have won the title. And maybe maybe that's a a little bit of a rough read of it for him because without Pippen, you know, I, and I'm not going to front like I was alive. I was born in 85. So I missed the very, I like came to consciousness when he started dominating the league. But to Giannis's point, yes, I believe he's partially correct. You do not have one team whose season is a success and 29 teams whose season is a failure. That's a, in my view, that is a dumb way to look at sports. Right. Um, totally. But by any realistic measurement, <laughs> the Heat, who, by the way, in, in our tasty stats, I nailed my bet of Heat under 45 and a half wins in the season. Unbelievable. That is a wildly, insanely successful season for them. You, there's no argument otherwise. Yeah. I'll look back on it, you know, definitely all positive vibes. The second quick thing I want to kind of hit on, Jokic. Obviously, the guy's great. We talk about his scoring. We talk about his passing. Okay, Miami turned him, tried to turn him into a scorer, and then he, you know, it turns out he can win as a scorer, he wins as a passer, yada, yada. The guy's also a rebounding machine. So for his career, 10.5 a game, 11.8 this regular season, 13.4 in the playoffs, 14 plus in the finals. So it's not just that he's just fucking controlling everything he's also (laughs) clearing every rebound and just dominating the boards and when people kind of pick at his defense you can't get that many rebounds right without being well positioned Mm -hmm. right it's kind of like the same kevin love corollary like you get rebounds because you're in the right spot you know how to use your body and guess what's a big part of defense being in the right spot knowing how to use your body there's been a lot of kind of like chatter about, well, you know, like, well, he didn't really, you know, who did he beat? The West was really weak. And to me, that's like such bullshit. Like, yeah, I mean, my preseason pick, you know, you remember was Embiid Jokic in the finals. I'm like, give me the battle of the Titans. Embiid didn't even get close to the finals. That's first off. Giannis gets hurt. And I think if you remember one thing that I called out before the finals, it was Nuggets and their potential lack of depth. And I kind of went to the finals thinking, all right, well, Miami's going to be able to like, I mean, like Denver's playing six guys. They're playing six guys plus Jeff Green and Christian Brown, maybe, right? So I'm like, We're, we should be able to kind of like, you know, like wear them down. Um, and it was the complete opposite. Like those guys were big and physical. And, and the reality is in today's NBA, you see it with Tatum, you know, KD, Booker, Embiid, Chris Paul, these guys break down because they're getting their ass kicked and they're pushing their body 
too far, you know, and now you pop a hamstring because you're chasing Steph around the screen and he's killing you, you know, like, so either you roll over or you try and your body breaks down because you can't play at 118%. You know, you didn't even see not even a sprained ankle on those guys. Nary an injury timeout, you know, to be, to be experienced. And I think it really speaks to how dominant they were um, and how they just kind of controlled the flow of the game and just made the, every finals game a Denver game. That's to completely overlook, you know, Gobert and Towns in the first round, Katie and Booker in the second round, you know, LeBron and AD. Like, so he, he's going through Gobert, AD, and Adebayo, like, in terms of defensive big men. Like, who do you, like, who else do you want the guy to play? Katie okay, didn't play Embiid, he didn't play Giannis. And like I said, neither of those guys got anywhere near the finals. So, I don't know, in my book, unbelievable run historic run you know the guy deserves all the props it's an all-time run let me say and i people love to take the pot shots yeah of course what am i going to do to have a podcast and not mention lebron james people love to take the shots at but let me just say when you when you jokingly say nary an injury nary an injury timeout um not even not even a moment where a guy had to tie his shoe tighter to fix a, an ankle injury like LeBron, where he's like, oh yeah, let me tighten up the shoe, that'll fix it. And I wonder, like, you talking about that, like the way he makes the game so much easier for everybody, is that a sneaky way to kind of preserve your teammates' health and your health? Like to just be this, and I know we've always talked about it, like with LeBron of, I'm a supercomputer of good basketball decisions. So if you are just if you're just doing a thing where you're running into space, I'm going to deliver the ball to you in an advantageous position. I wonder how that kind of almost protects you from from the injury bug also. I think the second thing I would say uh anybody who talks about and you know I'm not, not never really been super high on Gobert. I understand he's a good defensive player, but anybody who says like, "Oh, who did he go through?" You're a jerk ass if you if you say that. Like that's a that's a crazy stance to have. <laughs> like there's you you can't hate on this run. Um, what they end up sixteen and four. They lose two to the Suns, one to the Wolves, one to the Heat. Right? Yeah. So sixteen and four. It's an all-time run. Um, yeah, oh, they didn't face Giannis and Embiid. Well, Giannis got knocked out by the team he destroyed, and uh, the Heat also destroyed the team that beat Embiid, um, even if it was a seven-game series, you know, whatever. They were up 3-0 on that team. I believe this run is hater-proof, and the people kind of grasping for the straws that there might be some kind of, uh, some kind of like, asterisk is just absolutely silly yeah i think just to kind of circle back quickly to the injury point i'm starting to understand that that's part of kicking another team's ass is you know you have them running so ragged that they're going to turn an ankle they're going to pop something you know they're going to overextend themselves you know or they're just going to exhaust themselves in a way where you kind of get some kind of soft tissue injury so i'm thinking we shouldn't really be looking at Okay, game seven, you know, Tatum turns his ankle. What happens if he doesn't blah, 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 do the heat? You know, what if Boston can play five out against Denver? Do they give a tougher match? It's like, it's like, no. Tatum's body breaks down because he had to put the team on his back for three straight games because 
They were eating shit the first three games. They fall behind. And guess what? His body literally cannot bear the brunt of getting all the way through a fourth game, you know, and, and winning a series in that way. So that's the shit that happens, you know, and it's the reason that, you know, like the KD, you know, in, in the layup line and AD and like they, they kind of get all bruised up because they're they're going up against the monster and he's kicking their ass, you know, and it's like we're, we're literally in the finals. And like Michael Porter Jr. is is not you know like the the epitome of healthy injury free NBA basketball player right and for this guy to kind of just breeze yeah. through the finals like eh, you know like we didn't hear anything you know and it's, it really is a testament to how easy that guy makes the game for the rest of that team yeah I I wonder if we were to name it can we call it the Chris Paul provision if you will, like I will never, ever forget what a dorky thing to say, but I will never forget in the 2018 playoffs where they are giving it to the Warriors, him and old Jimbo, Jim Harden, and it's toward the end of the game, and he goes in, he goes into the lane, and he plants his left foot so fucking hard to make sure that he can turn around and hit that jumper to try to ice the game, and he just fucking rips whatever the hamstring is off the bone because he's he was a you know at that you know he's five years younger than he is now but he was like getting a little older he's a smaller guy he's gone through the wear and tear of the season their whole game their whole offensive game plan was i pound the ball for a while jimbo pounds the ball for a while big game james we call him for two games per playoffs um uh and he just he just fucking pops his hamstring because he just had to go so hard to get that one that last jumper at the end of the game. And I just remember like, God, he put everything into that. Yeah. And that's the injury right there. Very much in line with the point that I'm making, right? Like, mm. you know, that if you're up for four games to one in the series or you know you're kind of closing down things out in five, you're not pushing your body to that level. Sure. So you have to attribute that attrition to the circumstances of the series. Um, I did have three NBA futures that I have to hit you with. Um, I'm not sure if you had anything, but... Let's go. No, no, uh, go ahead. Okay. The first one I saw, so the Lakers, plus 1,200. Let's face it, basketball gods love the Lakers. We're never going to get them out of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, just the sheer number of times they've won championships, made the finals. Um, and I bet in that building, there's a feeling of like, hey, like we're close. Like, you know, we were kind of right there. You know, obviously we ran out of gas, but um, I think that there's there might be some of that kind of like wafting around their building. And then add to that sneaky suspicion that I think both LeBron and AD would be totally fine giving up some of the workload, moving aside for somebody uh, to come in and get a bunch of shots up. Plus 1,200 feels like they're going to be in the mix. Um, Feels like there could be a move to make. Um, give me a temperature check on that one. Love it. I mean, I'm just waiting. I was just waiting for you to say, I mean, you talk about, oh, it feels like they could, they could give up some of the load, uh, to somebody else. I mean, buddy, we've all listened to the podcast. Just say Austin Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) Your man, your man, AR, he's carrying them, carrying them this season. That's my third favorite. Love it. My second favorite NBA future, my Miami Heat plus sixteen hundred. Okay, mm-hmm. teams hungry. 
yeah, you know, this franchise has won titles, but this nucleus, Jimmy, Bam, a little bit of Hero, uh, and a bunch of role players, they haven't really won the title, although they've been super duper close. Two games, you know, away, you know, in the Lakers series, three games away in this Nugget series. Um, it did also feel like you look at Jimmy, you know, and obviously he gave, like I said, I, I mentioned it before, he gave his finals performance in the first round or two you know like where he's just like i'm gonna just right. i'm gonna keep us alive and you know like we'll we'll sort the finals out when we get there we also saw bam's limitation as a number two you know i don't think offensively he's there and will get there and i think that's totally fine you know he's a wonderful nba player you know he's gonna go down as one of my favorites um but i think he's more of a number three offensively and, you know, there's been some talk about Dame, you know, there's been some talk about Beal and Bede, but the guy that I'm thinking about, there's a, there's a heavy set gentleman in New Orleans that oh, wow. I think, you know, send him to fat camp, get, get, get him, get him a plane mm-hmm. ticket, MIA, get him right to the facility. Let's get him in shape. Um, I think he would be unbelievable in Miami. You know, he's, he fits right right there in between Jimmy and Bam and offensively could just be an absolute force and does something, you know, like when people are trying to sort of figure out, you know, how do we stop Jokic? Um, there really was no stopping Zion other than Zion stopping himself. So plus 1,600. I think we're going to end up with somebody when it's all said and done. If the Dallas Mavericks call and say, can I interest you in a sign and trade for Kyrie Irving? We will take Kyle Lowry off your hands. I'm not sure the whole mechanics, but I know Miami is like, Miami is consistently one of the teams linked to Kyrie Irving. What's, what would you say if you are uh, sitting in the chair next to Riley? Well, first off, I think Kyrie Irving is doing a lot of linking of himself to Miami Heat. Um, 100%. There's been a lot of guys that, you know, I've, I, again, I remember when Riley joined the Heat in 95. Um, my first Heat memory was in 1988. You know, John Sunvold hits a couple threes that kind of bring us back in the, in the old Miami arena. Uh, under Kevin Lockery coached my, my ME team. So, I oh mean, I've, I've literally seen all of it. And there are guys that cannot play for Riley under the system. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, you know. Um, Good call. Good know, call. Like D'Angelo Russell, um, yes. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I, you know, I even think a guy like Bradley Beal, you know, is not like a Heat type kind of guy. You know, um, I think Julius Randle would be tough. You have to really be able to come in and want to move the ball and like, you know, play a specific kind of way, um, which is why Butler fits so well, which is why Bam fits so well. I think another guy that, you know, I think I'd be interested in would be like a Jalen Brown, you know, if I continue to have the kind of like this fascination. Sure. And I continue to think that he was unhappy. And I think the next team that ends up with his services is going to get a guy that hits a different level. I digress. Miami Heat plus 1,600. Well, not to bust. Oh, good. Yes. And, and also, real quick, I got to sneak it in here, not to bust chops, but, I mean, you are on record saying you would rather have Jalen Brown than Devin Booker. So, um, 
<laughs> not not for the Miami Heat specifically, but in your in your torching of Devin Booker before he put on some decent performances. I believe you said you'd rather have Brown than Booker. You know, <laughs> sorry to bring up old shit. <laughs> that was a very Danny Ings moment of me, um, and I apologize to anybody out there that. Uh, <laughs> luckily, that wasn't a bet, so I, I, I do have that as my saving grace. Um, I'm not out here, you know. This isn't tasty personnel moves. Stacy spreads. <laughs> Ings, you son of a bitch. Ings. Um, anyway. <laughs> I've got one more. The third one on my list, the San Antonio Spurs. To do what? Plus 15,000, 150 to one to win the NBA championship. So the Spurs won in Duncan's second season, right? Quick Duncan aside. So in his rookie year, they make it to the second round of the playoffs. He plays in all 82 games. He plays 39 minutes a game. 21 and 12 for the season, 2.7 assists, shoots 55% from the field, and they go 56 and 26 in his first year. He wins the title in his second year. MVP and rookie of the year, right? Hmm? MVP and rookie of the year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then to compare that to David Robinson, because people are like, okay, the Twin Towers, yada, yada. David Robinson only played 73 games, 33 minutes a game versus 82 and 39 minutes a game. So Tim Duncan was the man the minute he stepped into the NBA. In my opinion, he doesn't get enough credit, you know, especially with all the talk now recently about who the greatest prospect of all time was. So it's like you got LeBron, you got Kareem for sure. You know, those are 1A, 1B. But, you know, you hear like AD and Ewing and Zion and you're like, dude, (laughs) Duncan was the man. And people were like falling over themselves to try to get to him. Anyway, wanted to give, you know, old Timmy a, a quick shout out. So... Let's imagine Wembenyama comes out like Hideo Nomo. Wow. People have no idea to do with this guy. We get a Chris Paul signing. The Spurs want mm. their pop on the floor. So they bring Chris Paul in uh, to get the most out of, you know, Sochan, Keldon Johnson, Vassell, guys like that. And then right before the trade deadline, they take all three of those guys and they go out and they get their guy. They get their guy back. An intimate dinner. Undisclosed location, bottle of Malbec or two, pop, Kawhi, chopping it up, breaking bread, mid-season blockbuster, and we go into the 2024 playoffs. Kawhi, Wemby, CP3, pop, they roll up and they're ready to fucking destroy. 150 to 1, put me down. Okay. The San Antonio Spurs to win the 2024 NBA championship. Okay. I mean, them acquiring Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, that's that sounds like 150 to 1. I, yeah, sure. I mean, no, look, man, I'm not here to fucking hate on anybody. Look, this is 2023, man. I love, I mean, I love it. You, you caught me off guard. I got to say, uh, the Heat. Had had an idea when I looked at the rundown. I was like, okay, he's got some surprise final champion picks. Sure, I think the Heat's going to be one. I think I'm kind of rolling with you on that one because I think they might get somebody. Gotta say, had no idea that the San Antonio Spurs were, were coming on this. Yeah, buddy, we're going there. <laughs> All right, you're putting it in. This is a bet. Are we? Are we putting it? Is this on the sheet? I'm putting it on the sheet. 
Look at you. I'm putting it on the sheet. And actually, I'm going to go ahead. I talked to myself with all three of them. And I'm going to rewind myself. Those are three of the four teams that have won multiple championships since the end of Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Three of the four minus the Warriors. So, I mean, I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe maybe the, maybe the next NBA championship uh, comes from that uh, esteemed group. Wow. I mean, well, that's that's pretty excellent. Um, I, I mean, spe- you've left me speechless here. And let me just say to... To, to quickly backtrack, and I, I'm sorry if I was if I fucked up the rhythm there. Um, Duncan won Rookie of the Year. He didn't win Rookie of the Year and MVP. I mean, I'm a moron. His rookie year was 98, um, so obviously he did not win the MVP that year. That was either Barkley or, or it might have been that might have been Jordan's last MVP. I think. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan, 98, and then Malone won in 99. Okay. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, look, you 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 have some historical value here. I love the Spurs Heat Lakers comp. I, I like I mean not so much a comp as just like they, these are the teams that seem to win the title all the time. Um I mean, if he just walks into the league and is Tim Duncan or I don't know. I mean, it seems like what Tim Duncan is one of the six best players who ever lived. So like like if he walks in and he wins <laughs> and he's better than Tim Duncan, now let's not even say that he guarantee that he wins anything. If he just walks in and is better than Tim Duncan, is 105% of Tim Duncan, then we're, we're in, the whole league is in trouble. Yeah, 100%. I think what people were feeling about this NBA season was there's no dominant team. So. You know, and I think one of the ringer shows was talking about, okay, well, the West was weak. And then one of the guys, the other host was like, well, the East was weak. Like, so who was it? Like, there there really was no weak in the East. You had Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. But I don't know. Like, by the time we got to the playoffs, you can kind of see how rickety those teams were. Um, and none of them made it out of the East. So there you go. The West could could be pretty open. And I think if, if Wemby comes in and... There's just nothing that you can do with him. You'd have to kind of go back to like the Kareem Skyhook. You know, if he comes in and his step back is just at that level where it's like, hey, I could just do this one thing and there's really nothing that anybody could do. You know, KD has that. Michael Porter Jr. has a little bit of that, you know, with the ability to just kind of shoot and really there's no bothering him really. Wemby definitely has some of that. Um, And if competitively he's able to kind of keep up, it just depends on how aggressive the Spurs are willing to get, you know, and I think if he comes in and looks awesome and they're like, all right, well, what are we waiting for? Really? Like we've got a bunch of young guys. Um, we've got cap room. We have picks. Um, we could do stuff. Let's just start building like pro like, what do we want to do? We want to be in next year's lottery. Like we already hit the lottery. Like they really have no reason not to be super duper competitive uh, and knowing pop wanting to maybe imprint, that's kind of Spursy winning culture on a guy like that. That's young, that's foreign kind of coming in with like, you know, a lot to deal with. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling now even, even better. Might, <laughs> I might, might, might go double unit on this. <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. I fucking love it. I mean, um, I think I'm going to save my powder, but it's going to make me mad when you're right on either the Lakers or the heat. Cause I'm with, I like, I like both of those. Um, I just, I just don't want the Lakers to do anything dumb. And by dumb, I mean, sign or acquire Ky- Kyrie Irving. Um, 
love you, Kyrie. Appreciate 2016. Thank you for that. But like, I just, I don't think that's a good idea. I gotta say, if I could just get this, this Beal take off, um, I feel like Bradley Beal has the best deal ever in the sense that he makes $50 million a year and nobody really seems to care that his team doesn't play past May and he gets to play how he wants and he doesn't really get crushed for it. I don't know. Like I have long had the take of people like, oh, he's going to demand a trade. He's going to demand a trade. I'm like, why? Why? Washington, D.C. is a cool, fun city to live in. That's a great point. And you just you get to have everything you want, and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And so I was surprised when they said when I think the Shams report was that his agent is working with the team to find a trade. I, I wonder how much of that was initiated by the club to to be like, all right, I think this has kind of run its course. He's like, yeah, fine, because he's he's almost even with his no trade clause, he's in a little bit of an unwinnable PR position to where he's like, no, if if he starts to say no to every trade. People are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, this guy—he really doesn't give a shit." <laughs> Which, um, I don't know. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's actually a great point. That what kind of expectations do Wizards fans have? Come on, like really, like year in, year out. So yeah, I definitely agree. He gets all the shots he wants, um, and like I said, he he doesn't strike me as a guy that you know would end up in Miami. I think it's much more likely that he, that he would end up in like a like in a Lakers uniform. Um, right. Just because he's a guy that you could just give the ball to, um, and he doesn't really yeah. hurt you that bad defensively. And like they've got that D'Angelo Russell like slot that they could just kind of like swap in, swap out. Um, so I could I, I, I see that much much uh, much more likely than than a move to Miami. Are we past? <clears throat> you made the point, um, and I guess I guess I don't want to run us too long here, but I am like I mean obviously. We talk about these things, and I'm I'm very curious on your your view of this. Is like the NBA historian guy is like I long screamed at the Cavaliers, and then ended up screaming at the Lakers when they blew up their championship team. The fucking formula that Riley and Ellisberg and fucking LeBron figured out is give LeBron defenders and shooting. Just do it. Stop with all the other bullshit. Like, oh, I need another ball handler in here to do this shit. Just give me some dudes who play defense. Is he now too old for that, where we actually do need a guy to carry the load? Is that where we're at, you think? Yeah, he's definitely too old for it. Um, What he needs to do is probably play a little bit more like Jokic on offense. Mm. I mean, it's not so much so different than how he plays now. Um, but you you could just kind of see his drives, you know, weren't as effective. Um, his three yeah, point shot sure. was gone, you know. So that's again just running out of energy. Like towards the end of the year, you've got nothing left. You got no lift on your jumper. You know, it's hard to finish drives to the basket because like you're really pushing just to get there. Um, he's definitely at the point now. Well, think about what happened. You know, LeBron and AD play the whole series. They play against Denver and they get smashed. How do you run it back with that same one-two look, you know, barring an Austin Reeves, you know, mega leap here. Um, But 
you can't really run it back that way. So LeBron is definitely smart enough to know that. So I think we see um, a new look team that's not really built around them too. You know, you could, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where, where they take it. I don't know. They can kind of like clean the slate a little bit. Like, I mean, I think everybody's on the table. If LeBron wants to stay, even Davis could go um, if they decide to, to make a move like that. I like it. I think that makes sense. I think, I mean, that you kind of blew my mind with that of LeBron just play more like Jokic at this stage of your career. Um, now, Jokic obviously has the, the advantage that he does not have to jump, if I may, go back to your point about his rebounding skills. Rooting, and not rooting against him because I don't like him, but rooting for the Miami Heat, especially in Game 5 where I was hoping it would get to at least Game 6. Rooting against that guy when he does that thing where he tips the rebounds to himself is just the worst. Yeah. Because he's just keeps tipping rebounds to himself. I'm like, oh my fucking God, it never ends with this guy. No, he's <laughs> so if uh LeBron can't do that, but the at the elbow, I'm gonna make smart passes and kind of dictate the pace. I, I think that would be an interesting way for him to play. You know, there's a couple guys that he could look at late in the career, um where there's a bit of a blueprint. And it would take some kind of finagling with, of this game, but he's smart enough to do it. And I think the blueprint kind of makes sense. One is kind of like late career, Tim Duncan, mm. you know, like high post could still hit that like 18, 19 footer, great decision maker, facilitator, you know, just always in the right spot. Mr. Famous Bunny, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, another one was KG, late career KG, Boston, you know, he, he caught the ball at his spots, you know, could still, turn back you down do stuff um was a menace you know and like was able to kind of also crank it up defensively so lebron doesn't really want to do that but he's still a big body he's still super smart he still knows where you're gonna go um so i think he could still sneakily be like pretty awesome defensively straight away this is the first time that we see you know the full powered lakers team since the bubble get the door smashed on them yeah now we understand, okay, we've we've reached our ceiling as a team. Um, we've got to switch it up. So I think we're going to see a big move from them. And the numbers, you know, it's not the tastiest number plus 1,200, but I think there's some meat on the bone. And I think one other prediction, we always see this in the offseason. Um, what happens when KD gets traded to the Suns? Suns are now the betting favorite, plus 350 to win the title, you know plus 175 to win the West. You know, like we, the things just swing like in an insane way. Right. So as soon as the Lakers sign their guy, it's going to be Lakers plus 600, Lakers plus 550, depending on who they end up with. Um, so I'm really kind of also just banking on that to get in at that number. Um, and then, you know, seeing once we get to playoff time, you know, who's, who's still there in that final four. I love it. I think that's, uh, that's what has me so intrigued about your, your idea for the heat. Um, is to get in before they they make that trade. Now, I do think, I mean, we've talked about this, the Heat acquiring Damian Lillard, I don't know if it's my, like, Pacific Northwest bias or whatever, and I'm just like, I, I don't want Tyler Hero, and I don't want I don't want Miami Heat draft picks for Damian Lillard yeah. because they're going to be bad draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your your historical viewpoint on the Miami Heat with Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg at the helm, I don't want those draft picks. They don't mean anything to me. 
there's a reason that we never have draft picks to trade is that we always trade them because we always understand that you know they're overvalued by the rest of the league. Don't need them. I think that might be what you end up with is the old Tyler Hero, you know, and then basically take your pick from the Struce Vincent Martin, you know, um, <laughs> hodgepodge. I'm going to give you the best player in the history of my franchise for a bunch of bad draft picks and Tyler Hero and Max Struce. You know, the 2029 first round pick, a lot of stuff can happen unprotected. I mean, you know, Dame would have to really force it. Yeah. When a guy wants to get to where he wants to go, we tend to see that happen. So um, that is true. And I think he'll have some competition. I think, you know, speaking of the Lakers meeting their ceiling, the Heat also very much hit their ceiling. Um, you know, no excuses this year. This is as good as we can play. Um, no Tyler Hero, obviously, but doesn't feel like he would have made that much of a difference um, in terms of like where Denver was able to exploit them. You know, if you're a Heat team, look at the mirror, look at the offseason. I think it's understood even all the way up to the top, to the Jimmy and Bam level, that we've going to have to do something if we're going to actually winning an NBA championship. For sure. and But, I mean, as your stats would suggest, it'd be silly to bet against it happening in the next few years. Yeah, I think that's the hope. Um, so let's hit the recap. I'm actually going to go ahead and take Wolves plus 500 to get relegated. Get out of here. I'm tired of seeing you. Um, I am taking Arsenal plus 850 to win the league, and you are going half unit, if I'm not mistaken on that. That is correct. Let me just, can can I just read you the last one, two, three, four, the last five games of Wolves' schedule? Let's go. Wolves versus Arsenal. Wolves versus Luton Town. Wolves versus Manchester City. You may have heard they're the champions. Wolves versus Crystal Palace. Wolves versus Liverpool. Mm. It's a tough last five, man. I mean, you got Luton down in there, but that's a hard last five. Mm. I'm going to take it. I mean, they like I said, they're the team that had the Southampton funk on them. Very stale. I'm rolling with you. Yeah? Sign me up. Let's go. Yeah. Awesome. Moving over to NBA. I've got three futures that I'm going to take. The Los Angeles Lakers, full unit, plus 1,200 to win the title. Miami Heat plus 1600, full unit to win the title. Maybe we get a bubble rematch. That would be dope. Um, and I'm going to go a quarter unit on my 2024 special 150 to 1 San Antonio Spurs to win the NBA championship. Um, I know I predicted that they trade for Kawhi midseason in an absolute blockbuster. That doesn't even need to happen for the bet to hit. Um, lots of different ways that we can cash that one. Didn't want to go full unit. Didn't want to go a tenth of a unit. Quarter unit feels just about right. I love it. Are you joining on any of those? Full unit on the Lakers. Full unit wow. on the Heat. Quarter unit on the Spurs. Give me, uh, you know, I hate. I mean, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't half step like this. But give me a half unit on on your Miami Heat. All right. Am I just going to keep betting against them? Come on. Jump on board, man. Lots of room. The, the Zion to Miami thing, again, like I don't know, I don't know if I'm New Orleans, I don't know what I want, but unless he just want, if I, unless I just want to get rid of him. Um, but I, I love that. That's, that's an amazing thought experiment. I think they're going to end up with somebody that we weren't thinking about. That's true too. I think next week we can hit some NFL futures. Like I said, I think we did it. Um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Tasty Spreads. 
subscribe to the pod. We're available on Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple. Um, so check us out. Make sure you hit subscribe. Just so you get all of our picks each and every week. Congrats on the first great season in the books. Same to you, buddy. The master of the alternate spread, the master of finding the draw. We fucking did this shit. Let me just say, I don't know if I don't know if you noticed. I mean, let me just get a little close. If you see the sunglasses, if you see the oh yes, you see the man. They're city sunglasses as well. Good story. This is my Cavaliers championship hat because my Manchester City hat that I ordered stolen from my front door by a uh, by an Amazon package pirate. Um, he actually opened the box. And then took the hat. So there was a piece of me that was like, maybe he's a city supporter. I don't know. So um, I hope that guy (laughs) enjoys the city hat. It would have been a real kick in the pants if he would have just like gone up to my doorbell camera and just been like, you'll never walk alone, bitch. And then just ran away like he was a Liverpool fan or something. Uh, Maybe he needs, he probably needs the hat more than me if he's out here stealing, stealing uh, packages off people's porch. Those are just the the heights that cities reached. You know, you've reached. You know, the, the the apparel is now, you know, falling off the back of trucks just consistently. Um, that, that's the final level of uh, franchise domination, I'd say. There it is. And so at the, I, if you will indulge me, I will just end it by saying as a kid who grew up in Northeast Ohio, rooting for mostly teams that were a bunch of losers, I pick up Manchester City on a whim because they signed Claudio Reyna, of all people, in 2005. They get bought by the state of Abu Dhabi, essentially. So let me just say, Blue Moon, you saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. Now we won the treble. Congrats. Appreciate you. We'll see you next week, buddy. See ya.